Barry Trotz made a mistake quitting Washington, although I see his point. $1.8 million isn't a ton for a coach who just won the Stanley Cup. Claude Julian is making $5 million to mangle Montreal. David Quinn came right out of college hockey to take the Rangers job, and he's making $2.4 mil. Bruce Boudreaux makes $2.6 mil in Miami, and in Minnesota, rather, and he's a nitwit. But Trotz is going to miss all the glitz and glamour of being Stanley Cup champ. The victory tour. He won't be there for the banner raising if he takes another job. How can you miss that? And it hurts the Caps, too. They lost their continuity. But really, their best chance to repeat is in the hands of John Carlson, the defenseman, the free agent, if he stays or not. The Capitals should have thrown a ton of money at Trotz to get him to stay. Now they should make Todd Reardon the head coach, the former Penguin assistant who was Trotz's assistant. Because you got to do things the same way as how you won, and Reardon would do that. But I can see the Caps' point, too. They traditionally don't pay their coach much. Trotz welched on a deal. That extension he got in, uh, on his career, Trotz is under 500 in the playoffs. And until this year, his team's underachieved and sometimes badly. Trotz didn't win that cup. Ovechkin won that cup. And Ovechkin is staying. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. This ain't a good show so far. I'm just, I got no rhythm. No rhythm. I got no rhythm. It's like a part of the Pirates outfield rotation. Every time I feel like I got something going, I get yanked. By the way, do you know Barry Trotz once coached pro roller hockey in that goofy league the Pittsburgh Phantoms played in? I remember back in the 90s, Trotz coached uh, the Portland Maine team. Forget what their name was. Saw them play, believe it or not. Uh, I put up a blog about the Mike Hoffman situation. If you're just uh, tuning in, Mike Hoffman had that deal in Ottawa where his girlfriend cyber-stalked the wife of Eric Carlson. And last year at the trade deadline, Ottawa was looking for a first-round pick and a top prospect for Hoffman. Now uh, he went today from Ottawa to San Jose to Florida inside a couple hours, and Ottawa didn't get a whole lot because Hoffman's career, his viability, his trust in the locker room, it's been stained. And I think he has to dump the girl to get any of that back. What would you do? He's been with this girl for 10 years, I think. Would you dump your girlfriend at 10 years to make sure your hockey career got back on the path it had been on. Hoffman's a good scorer, has 20 goals each the last four years, but now in Florida where he's at, his teammates won't trust him, and their wives and girlfriends won't trust his girlfriend. What would you do if you're Mike Hoffman? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, boy, every time I, I, I go on the air, somebody passes away. I'm not saying that jokingly, but... Uh, I just found out Rod Scott, former Duquesne basketball player, uh, passed away at the age of 59. Uh, Rod went to Northgate High School, in, graduated in 1978. I went to Shaler, graduated in 1978, and I was writing for uh, you know, little articles for the Post-Gazette in this paper called the North Hills Free Press back then, 
and Rod Scott was the star athlete at Northgate, really the best basketball player in the area at that time. And he was a good guy. I went to school with him at Duquesne, had a good college career, just just a good guy, and I'm very sorry to hear of his passing. Rod Scott won the first ever and last ever North Hills Free Press Dunk Contest. I think because he was the only guy we had in in North North Area High School basketball that could dunk, but he did win it. So uh, Rod Scott, R.I.P. Also, I saw the Donardo family at Joe's viewing last night. Uh, they said Joe listened to this program all the time, and I'm very touched and honored by that. So uh, R.I.P. to Joe Donardo uh, one final time, a true Pittsburgh icon. Okay, let's see if I can get the show back on track. And, and if I can't, there's always tomorrow. Oh, more breaking news. I just found out why San Jose traded Mike Hoffman to Florida right after San Jose got him from Ottawa. Hoffman's girlfriend, Crank, called Joe Thornton's wife. Yikes. I made that up. Uh, Pearl Jam canceled the show because Eddie Vedder totally lost his voice. Well, it's about time. There, There is a God. Uh, here's today's World Cup update. Uh, Japan beat Colombia 2-1. to one. Colombia played with 10 men after Carlos Sanchez Marino got a red card the third minute. So uh, once he returns home, he has to be careful going to his car. And I mean that uh, very seriously, unfortunately. You'll recall in 94 when uh, Andres Escobar of Colombia uh, scored an own goal to allow the U.S. to beat Colombia and eliminate Colombia from the World Cup, and he got murdered upon his return to Colombia. Another action, Senegal beat uh, Poland 2-1. to one. And host Russia beat Egypt uh, three to one. So uh, Saudi Omarne of Liverpool, a good result with Senegal. Mohamed Salah, who did play today with Egypt, a bad result for him. You know a weird fashion trend in soccer: players wear undershirts under their you know jerseys, and some of these undershirts have sleeves that stretch up to their hands and loop over their hands between their thumb and forefinger. Saga wears that. Just looks odd. Uh, Heather Locklear, this is way off the sporting discussion. Heather Locklear has been hospitalized for psychiatric evaluation. See, when you keep marrying rock stars, Tommy Lee, Richie Sambora, it's going to fry your brain. And, And reading that, and certainly we want her to get well, mostly because she's so hot, And uh, that reminded me how much my job has changed. Remember back in the 80s, there were two super hot girls on TV, both named Heather. Heather Locklear and Heather Thomas. And you and your buddies would argue about who was hotter. And you would hear that debate on the radio back then. Well, not anymore. That sort of guy talk has all but disappeared. It's sexist, I guess. It objectifies, which is okay if women do it to themselves. Which begs the question, and, and I don't know, somebody tweet me, at Mark Madnex, are there bikini posters now? Do do women post for those? Because Heather Thomas had a great bikini poster, and I thought because of that, she was Heather number one. They should have got Heather Locklear and Heather Thomas to be in that movie, Heathers. Actually, a really good flick. Shannon Doherty, kind of one of her breakout roles along with Christian Slater. 
Um, anyway, what I'm talking about, that's how we have a Miss America contest with no swimsuit competition. And unless fat girls and ugly girls are entered in Miss America, then they totally miss the point anyway. Uh, not in that vein, uh, Charlotte Flair, my good friend, will be featured in ESPN Magazine's annual body issue. Athletes pose nude, but they don't show the naughty bits. We're supposed to feast our eyes on their athleticism since we can't see their groin. And uh, it's like the swimsuit issue without the swimsuit. Uh, titillation described as art, but uh, but uh, it's still a big deal. Uh, what a great athlete Charlotte is, the best performer in WWE right now, and uh, this is a real big deal, and I'm happy for it. I think it's terrific. Uh, okay, now I want calls. Like I said, the show just seems I'm stumbling. I'm just hitting speed bump. I just don't feel comfortable doing the show. So uh, I need your help. Dial 412-333-WXDX. Maybe it's because I haven't taken any calls yet. Let's go to our first call of the day. Joe in the car. Joe, you're on with Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi, Joe. Mike Hoffman should get rid of her for sure. Okay, you know, he's been with her for like a decade. Doesn't matter. True love will never trump money. If he stays with her, he'll make less money. Well, not yet, but but I think it could negatively affect his hockey career for sure. Absolutely. Again, the teammates won't trust him. The teammates' wives and girlfriends won't trust her. And believe me, that last part with the women, that'll cause more problem than the trust in the locker room. The stuff with the wags... That'll filter eventually into the locker room, just like it did in Ottawa with this situation. Absolutely. And what do we even know what she does besides besides cyberstalking, post nasty comments to people? Well, in, you know, it's my experience that once women uh, either marry or become the significant other of a millionaire, that the career opportunities generally organically diminish. If you get my drift. Which Heather did you think was hotter? Thomas or Locklear? Uh, I'd go What? I'd go with Locklear. Oh, you're wrong. Goodbye. That guy's phone cut out, I think. The gods are conspiring against me having a good show. Oh, well. Uh, if you're just tuning in, the, the hockey news, and I like talking hockey year-round. Columbus Shop and Panarin. Uh, Philadelphia shopping Wayne Simmons. Kessel still wants traded, but the Penguins are backing off because they can't figure out how to replace his 92 points. Kessel and Sullivan definitely still at odds. I'm told that Rutherford wouldn't even consider trading Kessel, except Sullivan's not crazy about having Phil around. But I think that's going to play out with Phil uh, staying in Pittsburgh and starting the season here anyway. I think one thing about Phil, I think Phil, you know how lately I've said Antonio Brown could use therapy? I think Phil could use a bit himself. I think Phil isn't happy unless he's unhappy. I think he likes being pissed off. I think he's that kind of person. And he needs to maybe, you know, look at that trait, uh, glance in the mirror, because, you know, I'm a Phil fan, but, you know, you got to do what the coach tells you. Although, again, if his major bitch is that he should be playing with Malkin and not Shane or Broussard, that's a righteous bitch. One thing Sullivan has to understand, and I've said this time and again, but I'll make it real clear now. 
That stuff with Benino and Kessel and Haglin in 16 in the playoffs, HBK, first off, let's not forget it happened accidentally. Because Malkin got hurt. There was no Malkin for Phil to play with, so he played with Benino, and that line took off. But let's also keep in mind that line never played that way again after those playoffs were over. The next year they won with Kessel playing with Malkin in the 17 playoffs. So with all due respect to Benino... What happened in 16, that depth the Penguins had, that three-line attack, was a fluke. And it won't happen again. And uh, if you don't believe me, look what happened to Benino. He got second-line money to go to Nashville. He got there. They figured out very quickly, hey, wait a minute, this guy's a third-liner. They went out and got Kyle Turris to be the second-liner. So Kessel needs to play with Malkin. Kessel needs to get over himself a little bit, but he needs to play with Malkin. Phil can be right and wrong at the same time. He's got that kind of personal depth. 105.90X. Double M on the X. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Boy, a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, nobody wants to talk about pirate attendance. Last night was the third lowest crowd in June in the history of PNC Park. 10,000... 600 and change. And the two lower crowds were the same night as Penguin home games in the Stanley Cup final. So for all intents and purposes, last night was the lowest crowd in June in the history of PNC Park. They've killed the town. The fans aren't coming back. The only way to reestablish trust between team and town is if nothing sells it, which has no intention of doing. So I expect things to get a lot worse. Think about it. He wants his money to maintain his profit margin. He's not going to sell the team. Fans aren't going to start showing up. So he slashes payroll to the bare bones, cuts staff, office staff, ticket staff, the whole staff, slashes and burns, still gets that TV money, that tech money, and that revenue sharing. That's what Nutting will do. Nutting won't spend and try to win to get the fans back. He'll just make do with the money he has coming in and maximize the profit by any means necessary. You watch. You watch if that's not what happens. We're also talking about hockey. The Penguins tried to get Max Domi from Arizona. No go, but apparently Brian Rust was among those players made available, potentially, in that deal, Phil Kessel still wants out, but the Penguins are backing off trading him because it's tough to replace 34 goals and 92 points. Artemi Panarin is being shot by Columbus. Wayne Simmons is being shot by Philadelphia. And even though each would be a good fit for the Penguins, A, can't afford them. B, Philadelphia and Columbus would never trade with a division rival like the Penguins. That especially, I'm sure, goes for Philadelphia. I can't recall a deal, a, a trade, being made between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia since like the 70s when the Flyers foisted off a bunch of their Stanley Cup has-beens on the Penguins like uh, Tom Blade and Oris Kinderchuk and Ross Lonsberry, them guys. Let's go to Scott in California, PA. Scott, you're on with Double M. How you doing, Mr. Madden? Good, Scott. What up? Hey, uh, I was just wondering, what's the reasoning behind uh, Kessel? He never plays with Sid. 
I don't know. Uh, I, I that's rarely, if ever, been tried five on five, and, and it's never, uh, odd because when they got Kessel, I thought it was specifically to play with Sid, but but they've rarely tried it five on five. Works pretty good on the power play, and Kessel has the speed to play with uh, Sid, but it's just never never been tried very often anyway. Yeah, I've, I've never seen it. Well, I'll be I've honest, Scott. If if it hasn't happened, I'm assuming that's because Sid doesn't want it to. I don't know that, but that's a fairly good assumption. And I don't know why he wouldn't, but but that's my assumption. Let's go to Tom on the north side. Tom. Mark. What's up, Tom? Big fan, big fan. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to talk about Castle. Uh, the the Sullivan thing, that that's something they both kind of need to get over with. I mean, there's in your work life, there's people you're not going to get along with. Um, yeah, they're, they're not going to get over it, right? And, I mean, you're right, but you're, they're just not going to. Especially right. Phil. Phil is not going to like whoever's in charge of him. He's one of those guys. If he went to sure, Arizona, but, where Tockett's the head coach, him and Tockett were buddies in Pittsburgh. Phil would hate Tockett inside of two weeks. Right, and I, but I just can't help but think, you know, game five against the Capitals, the Penguins were, you know, dead that whole game, and then soon as Sullivan put. You know, Phil and Gino together, they had two scoring chances and drew a penalty on the first shift they were together. Oh, Those you can cite any number of examples as to why right. Phil Kessler's helped the Penguins. He came to Pittsburgh and they won two Stanley Cups. Now, one thing I heard today from one of my sources is that Phil feels maybe a little more responsible for those Stanley Cups than he ought to. Like that his attitude is, hey, Crosby and Malkin were here, they didn't win, and I came along and they won. Well, he might have a, a 2016. He was probably one of the best players. So, I mean, he he, he was one of the best players time. this past year to the playoffs. I'm not doubting Phil's talent or his contributions, but uh, if Phil thinks he was more responsible for winning the cups than Gino and Sid, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Right, and also you were talking about Philly trading with Pittsburgh. I think a couple of years ago in the off season, uh, the Flyers traded the rights to the Penguins for Dan Hamus. And he didn't sign. He actually went to Vancouver. But well, you know what? Yeah, just just now that I mentioned Rick Tockett, one of the biggest trades in Pittsburgh history was 1992. Right. You know, uh, Recky and Coffey leave Pittsburgh. Recky goes to Philly. And Tockett and Shell Samuelson and Reggett come from Philadelphia. So that's a very significant trade that involved the two rivals. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Todd in the car. Todd, you're on with Double M. Uh, Todd, your, your recollection came back and beat me, I was trying to ask about talking. Right. Uh, and yet you stayed on the phone. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Jake Sewickley. Jake, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. What up? Yeah, yeah. I was just, just wanting to say I am proved wrong and quite proud of fellow Pittsburgh for staying away from the games like they said they were going to do. And What, uh, the Pirate games? I'm not sure anybody ever said they were going to stay away from the games. There is no boycott. This is very organic. The Pirates chase people away one fan at a time by lying and then lying again. And in the case we've talked about with the attendance equals payroll, telling the same lie for, boy, the upteenth time. That's their go-to lie. That is the number one lie on a team that has a lot of them. If you buy tickets, we will add payroll. They promised that since day one of the nutting regime and never delivered on it. Not like they could, not like they should. Uh, like I always say, 
I was hearing a lot of No, shut up for a second. I wasn't done talking. In fact, goodbye. Like I said, payroll did go up along with revenue. But payroll went up like a smidgen and revenue went up like by a zillion. The key phrase is keep up. It did not keep up with revenue. Both went up, revenue by a lot, and payroll hardly at all. And in 2015, when they had the nucleus of a world championship team, a 98-win team, they scattered it to the winds by the next trade deadline in the interest of profit. That's not fiction. That's fact. You can look it up. Look at the roster at the end of 2015, then look at the roster the day after the trade deadline in 2016, and you tell me what they did and why they did it. We'll talk to Stan Saver next. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Got some interesting stats regarding the Pirate outfielders in June. Uh, that reflect the futility of rotating uh, four pounds of sugar through a three-pound bag, as it were. But right now, let me welcome to the program, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media from ESPN Radio Pittsburgh and AT&T Sportsnet. He is Stan Saverin. Stan, let's start with that. Ever since they started rotating the outfielders, Marte, Dickerson, and Meadows have cooled off, and Polanco hasn't picked it up. Did Hurdle overmanage? Well, I think he's uh, picking his spots. Uh, I realize that uh, people are reacting to the fact that Meadows is not in the lineup again tonight. However, uh, through our reporting here, we find out that he fouled the ball off his foot Sunday, and that's why he wasn't in the lineup last night and why he's not in the lineup tonight. So that explains the, uh, the recent uh, issue. Well, right, but, but they have been rotated since all four outfielders were available. Yeah, uh, I think he's uh, being careful with the kid. I think he's probably being a little too careful. Uh, you know, throw him in the water. So they threw him in the water. It looked like he was swimming fine. Um, he was going to go into a slump, I'm quite sure. And they're being protective of the kid, his first major league experience. Um, but I, uh, they can't totally give up on Polanco. But of the four, he's got to see the least amount of playing time. Um, if you're still in it, if you think you're still in the race, um, production matters at this point. That doesn't mean they have to get rid of Polanco. I do think that Marte is kind of back where you would expect him to be. You can't discount he's their best defensive center fielder. And Dickerson is just slow and steady, although he's cooled off. He was bound to. I mean, I think there's a balance there, but I also think that, except in circumstances, injury obviously, but against a real tough left-hander, whatever it happens to be, that Meadows has got to be in the top two of the rotation. Yes, Dan, I just want like guys like Meadows and Dickerson to cool off. I don't want to assume that they're going to. Uh, let me read you these numbers. In June... Marte's hitting 192, Dickerson 278, Meadows 250, and Polanco 216. So, in an effort to heat up Polanco, everybody else has cooled off. Baseball's a rhythmic game stand, that day-to-day rhythm, and Hurdle's denied that to all his outfielders. Yeah, but I don't think that's the reason that they're having issues. That assumes that the reason that they're not hitting, or at least hitting up to their standard, is because well, they're not playing every day. You know, part of that goes on them. If you want to stay in the lineup every day, then you've got to produce. 
You know, if you don't score goals, you're going to sit. Uh, and I think the same thing is true here. Um, I don't think that, again, I don't think that Polanco should get all the latitude. Just, uh, hopefully, it lights you know, a spark under him. Well, he's been better the last couple, three games. I mean, at some point, you have to produce. I mean, Dickerson um, is very solid and very steady, um, and he's played better defensively than most people would have thought was the case. Marte is Marte. You know what you get with him. You know what also um, the frustrations that come with him. Um, but again, I, if, if I'm running that club, except for certain circumstances, Meadows is definitely in the top two in my rotation. What did you make of the general manager, Neil Huntington, when he said, hey, if the fans show up, we'll spend more? Uh, Stan, that's not just a lie. It's a recycled lie. Yeah, that's the problem with it. Um, we've heard that before. And while they did spend more, they didn't spend at the appropriate time. Uh, and I don't think that it's ever a good idea to say that, even if you're in Boston. I don't think, think that's a good idea to ever to say that, but especially when it's a repeat, a recycle of what we heard before. Um, payroll did go up, but not to the level of the teams they're playing against. Now, payroll isn't everything, but we all know the story. It's an old narrative. I'm sure you're tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. But when they had a chance to go for it and didn't even have to spend all that much more, if you're just looking at Jay Happ, um, they didn't do it. And, again, they began subtracting pieces from it. So that's not – I don't think it's ever a wise thing to say. Uh, but I also think that most people believe that it's patently untrue. And the fans have noticed because the Pirates drew their third lowest crowd ever for the month of June last night, Stan, at PNC, 10K and 600-some. The attendance is a disaster, Stan, and I really don't know if the people are coming back anytime soon. I think the trust is really broken. Well, I think that's the issue. Trust. We talked about it last week. They don't trust them. They don't believe that their objective is the same as the fans' objective uh, is to win. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're not going to convince people that you're in it to win it, then they're going to say, well, why should I bother? Uh, I do know that the uh, tennis cross baseball is down all over. I mean, they've got some issues. Baseball as a whole, the problems here, however, are specific. It's, I don't think it's related to a general decline, at least this year, uh, in attendance down between six and eight percent over last year and the the steepest decline this is industry-wide um in the last decade they've got some issues here but again the problems here are specific to the issues we just discussed we're talking to stan Saver, and he's brought to you by the law firm of shenderovich shenderovich and fishman uh stan uh, i'm told phil kessel still wants out but the penguins are backing off shopping him because they realized and rightly so going to be pretty tough to uh, replace 34 goals and 92 points. But what do you do with Phil if he is adamantly not happy? Adamantly, I should say. Well, uh, I, I, the thing where I saw the headline, I think Josh Yoey's piece, uh, where he said Phil would be okay with being traded, um, that doesn't mean that he wants to be traded. It's just, to me, that's classic Kessel. You going to trade me? Okay. Um, no, no, Stan, I can go further than that with 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 utter confidence he wants traded. All right. Well, then if there's no deal for him, then, again, he can put on the boo-boo face um, all that he wants. I think this is not only where your coach comes into play, but I believe that the locker room 
um, the leadership in the locker room can play an important part here. Um, if he can look those other guys in the eye and not give everything he's gotten, which, by the way, has never been a ca- the case since he's been here. Oh, no, no, he gives 100%, no question. Absolutely. Um, and I would, also, I would also suggest that every place that Kessel has ever been, there's been an issue. Every place, every coach, every organization, every team. Didn't mean he didn't produce, but there's always been something with him. So maybe you just have to look at that and think, okay, um, you know, let him sit in the corner there for a while. It doesn't necessarily mean that's my uh, concern. My primary issue is not about him, but would he be a rotten apple spoiling the rest of the barrel? I think they're too strong internally for that to happen. I think so too, Stan. I'll be honest. I think one reason he's popular in the dressing room and with the fans is they look at him as a cartoon character, and I don't think a cartoon character can can be that rotten apple that spoils the barrel. And furthermore, I think Phil's going to dislike whoever his boss is. Uh, people are like that in, in the real-life workplace. It can happen in sports, too. As I said a moment ago, he loved Tockett when Tockett was an assistant here. I guarantee if Phil went to Arizona where Tockett's the head coach, Phil would hate talk inside of a couple weeks. There's no question. I mean, he, you know, he resents authority. Um, you and I were experts at that. No question. <laughs> so we've, you know, we've had our uh, we've had our issues and our checkered employment past. I think you're right. Um, by all accounts, I mean, look, Mike Sullivan could be, I would imagine, a difficult guy to play for. Fair but very demanding. And if you bristle under that kind of a tight rein, I mean, I, I get that. Um, but also, by the same token, I can't imagine that there are many better coaches to play for than Mike Sullivan. Stan, uh, would you expect a big move from the Penguins at the draft? I kind of do, but I have no idea what it might be. As Josh Owey wrote, when the Penguins were talking to Arizona about Max Domi, who ultimately went to Montreal, they were dangling uh, Sherry and Simone out there as expected, but also Brian Rust. Yeah, I read the same thing, and, and uh, that frankly didn't didn't surprise me. You know, they do, if you will, have a glut of forwards if they're going to make good uh, on their, I don't call it a promise, but on the prediction that both Sprong and Zach Aston Reese would be regular members. Um, I, I mean, Kessel would be a huge deal. I don't know if they're primed for that. Um, the only big name I could see going um, realistically would be Broussard. I mean, I think he would consider a deal for him. Uh, I I don't think Latang is on the table. I definitely don't think that, that Dumoulin would be. We all understand who the other untouchables are, which in my view would include Gensel and Hornquist, because keep in mind, they think that the window is wide open to them to win another cup. I agree with that. It certainly is, not just this year, but maybe beyond. Um, maybe uh, translate big, define big, maybe that's Tristan Jari. You know, maybe there's somebody out there, um, because all he's ever going to be here, barring injury, is going to be a backup around here. Um, it's not a matter of whether he's better than Casey and Smith. It's just a matter of who fits better as a backup and who brings more in the trade market. That would be Jari. What about Ole Modestan? And uh, I think Ole had a great year, and I wouldn't trade him. But 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 you look at the Penguins' pecking order on defense. He's a movable guy, and if you want to make an impact deal, well, I understand that. Um, but I would be really reluctant. And of course, me any too. Me of, too. Yeah, I mean, any discussion of a trade, always the other shoe is. Well, what am I getting back? Um, it would. I, I would have to. To me, Mark, I would have to win that deal so decisively 
That's the only way I part with him. I think he's underrated, but I also think he's a guy who's solid and steady. When other defensemen are more mercurial, if you get my drift, he is slow and steady. Uh, I, I shouldn't use the word slow because that gets people to talk. It's not what I mean. He's very steady. I, mean, I think he had his best year last year since his rookie year. He's still only 23 years of age. He's incredibly reliable. And if he's on your second pairing, you got a pretty good group. So I would have to win that deal so decisively. That's the only way I would even consider it. Stan, um, first off, how do you pronounce that course where the British Open is going to be? Is it Carnoustie? How do you pronounce it? Carnoustie. Okay, good, because I didn't know. I don't want to embarrass myself further. It's, it's right next to Carnegie. <laughs> well, <laughs> you talked on your show about golfers complaining about the course for the U.S. Open, Shinnecock Hills. But what was unfair about it? I mean, they all played the same course. I get the frustration, but I thought the Kepka won because he kept his head down and played professionally. I'm not a golfer. Um, I watch Me golf, neither. Uh, twice a year. Um, that's I like the Masters and I like the U.S. Open, and I like them because they are, whether you like golf or not, they are major American championships. They're part of the biggest uh, spots in our sporting landscape. My only thought was, I'll be honest, I did not enjoy it as much. I don't. I think it should be a reward for excellence. I don't think it should be a survival course. It's not supposed to be American Ninja Warrior, where you're crawling across broken glass. Well, no, that'd be better. Well, it would be better and skimpier outfits too. <laughs> but I, 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 I just don't think. Again, uh, what's fair to me? A great shot should be rewarded. But in that case, which the USG admitted, great shots were penalized. I mean, I think if you make a great shot, you should be rewarded. Well, I just think that fewer great shots were possible, Stan. That's my point. I mean, I want to see their skills. I don't want to see them in survival mode. And I understand that people who play the game, and, you know, it's a frustrating game. Uh, people who play it every weekend, they, they appreciate what they go through. And they don't want to see them score 30 under part to win a tournament. Neither do I. But I also would like to see them be, you know, three, four over. If you make a great shot, then you should be rewarded um, at the very least and not penalized. There were a lot of great shots that were hit, but the course prevent. The, I shouldn't say the course. The pin placements. You're going to do one of two things. They couldn't have anticipated that there was going to be 20, 25, 30 mile an hour winds, which dries out the course. But there is an antidote for that, and that is to add a little bit more water or change the pin placement. Um, I think fair. And again, I know it's it's easy and frankly predictable to say, oh, they're overpaid whiners and so on and so forth. Um, I just think that they want a fair test of golf and let the chips fall where they may. Well, no, you make a good point, Stan. My point is I like it that one of the majors is like that. I wouldn't want every major to be like that. But, but I just find that very entertaining. And again, this Kopka, I, I'm mispronouncing his name, I think. But, but just the fact that, that he you know, won that tournament two years in a row says a lot about his fortitude and mental organization, and that counts for something, too. I couldn't agree with you more. He persevered. But you also, if you, if you win the tournament at four over, or four under, excuse me, at four under, you have to persevere also. It's relative to the competition out there. 
Who makes the best shots at the most critical of time? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's relative not only to the course, because you're all playing the same one, but to the level of competition. Hey, those guys, say they see the scoreboard. They feel the pressure. A lot of people felt not only was Tiger Woods the best golfer uh, during his era, but he also had a mental toughness that some people backed away from it. Uh, I just think that, again, uh, I can... I can judge the guy's character, his perseverance level, his mental toughness at four over, or under rather, excuse me, four under, as I can four over. Now, how do you pronounce his name again, Stan? Kepka. Kepka. Okay, I'm having a bad show. You've got to lead me through this. Kepka and Karnowski. 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 Okay, now, now, do the golf fans understand the British Open course, Karnowski? It won't be much easier. It's a Lynx course right on the ocean. I'm not sure it'll be as tough as Shinnecock Hills, but it's going to be really tough, isn't it? It is. It always is. Um, it's my least favorite of the majors, only because there's vegetation there um, that you don't even see on the moon. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never seen... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the famous cantina scene in Star Wars 1, where they had all those weird characters. There's just weird things growing over there. I don't know. It just doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before. Um, and, and again, it's a different... Uh, style of golf and, and that sort of thing. But I think, you know, uh, relative to the way they play golf over in Europe, that's a, a fair test. Um, the course is not set up to say we're going to punish you on every shot that you make. We're going to punish you if you make a bad shot, but we're going to reward you if you make a good one. That's all I think the golfers are asking for. Okay, so Carnusi and Kepka. There you go. You got it. It's like Kepka and Kepka's two on the south side. <laughs> Very good. Richie will appreciate that plug a great deal. Stan, great stuff. I'll see you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Thanks a lot. That's Stan Saverin brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. In a moment, I'm going to break down the numbers that show how, in an attempt to heat up Polanco, Clint Hurdle has cooled down Marte, Dickerson, and Meadows. 105.9X. Is this a bad show? I need input from you. I think it's been a clumsy show. I've stumbled over a lot of stuff. I've lost my place in my notes a couple times. I've considered making major change to the show, like uh, not having as many notes, ad-libbing a lot, going with bullet points instead of uh, the more, I don't want to say scripted because I'm not reading word for word, but the more laid-out approach that I usually take. I've been doing this 22 years, and every so often I do shake things up. Maybe it's time for that. But does today strike you as a bad show? You can respond on Twitter if you like, at Mark Madden X, or you can call 412-333-WXDX. I want to get to that pirate outfield situation. The Pirates are saying the reason Austin Meadows isn't playing tonight and didn't play last night is because he fouled a ball off his foot on Sunday. He may be available for pinch hitting duty tonight. But in June with uh, Clint Hurdle rotating four outfielders through the three spots. In June, Eric, uh, Corey Dickerson is hitting 278, Austin Meadows 250, Gregory Polanco 216, and Starling Marte 192. And I am allowing for the fact that, you know, performance goes up and down in any sport, let alone baseball, where you're playing just about every day. You're going to have high spots, low spots, and perhaps this is exemplary of that. But I got to tell you, it also strikes me that in an attempt to heat up Polanco, 
by giving him X amount of plate appearances, no matter how badly he's hitting. In the attempt to heat up Polanco, Hurdle cooled off Dickerson, Meadows, and Marte because those numbers are far less than the batting averages they had been posting playing regularly. Well, actually, in the case of Dickerson and Meadows, regularly because Marte had been hurt, uh, which prompted the call-up of Meadows from AAA. But I just would have let Marte, Dickerson, and Meadows play every game until somebody slumped and then put Polanco in. Now, all of them, to some degree, are slumping. I mean, Dickerson, 278, that's respectable, but he had been, uh, he, he still is, I think, up over 300 on the year. And I'm already getting the tweets, oh, it's not the 40s, batting average doesn't mean anything. I'm using that by way of setting example because all their numbers suck in June. All four outfielders, all their numbers suck in June. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Oh, somebody just said Stan and I did a great segment. Well, that's because of Stan, not me. Gary tweets, it's a good show. It's not your fault. It's the dead of bucko season. Well, that's true emphasis on the word dead. Matt tweets, there's a distinct difference between your scripted and freestyle show. I enjoy the freestyle much more. That's not to say the former is bad. Bro, uh, you, you can't tell the difference. I go back and forth between scripted and freestyle, planned and ad-libbing all the time. But but I, if I scripted less, it would be easier to do. And I'm considering that quite a bit as well. One guy tweets, terrible show. Stop exposing me and my minions in our greed. It's Bob Nutting's Twitter. I think it's a... Fake Bob Nodding, but but the guy says he's Bob Nodding. 412-333-9939. In 30 seconds, I hate to take the ticket buyers to task. And I also hate to take those who don't buy tickets to task. But somebody got to make the list, and in 30 seconds, you'll find out who. It's the Mark Madden Show here on 105.9 The X.